Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ian and I thought we would use four of the six Sundays of Lent to take a closer look at Jesus, to help us all shake loose what might be our personal fixed favorite notions of him. We, we hope to turn the biblical prism just a little bit in order to shed light onto our familiar images of him. Fixing Jesus in one image or one dimension is like seeing a friend or a loved one only in one way, focusing on one characteristic, and then when they act differently, we're surprised. And the question is, can we let them be different than what we thought we, they were, right? Let them be more than we reduce them. In the same way, we might be limiting our relationship with Jesus, Jesus by assuming that we already have the full picture of him. For example, you might most often see Jesus as gentle and meek and mild. Or maybe you see him as Lord and Savior. Or you relate to him as a good friend or as judge and king, or as a nice man who is a paragon of morality. The facet of Jesus that we have in our minds most often will shape the relationship that we have with him, that our hearts experience with him. How comfortable are we taking our burdens to judgmental Jesus? Here's some familiar titles used for Jesus. We know these. Lamb of God, Son of God, King of Kings, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Son of Man, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Father, and the Good Shepherd. For the next few weeks, four weeks, we will focus on the four faces of Jesus. And that we're not meaning in the artistic sense. We leave that for Sandy Prouty and her outstanding classes on Christian art. But we'll be examining the faces or dimensions of Jesus exemplified by his actions throughout the Gospels. We will look at Jesus as teacher, healer, prophet, and priest. And we will see how these four faces, these four dimensions intertwine. So today we begin with what might be the most prevalent way Jesus is addressed in the Gospels, and that is as rabbi or teacher. So I invite you to close your eyes and conjure a picture of a teacher who was important to you in your life a teacher who shaped you. Now consider, what was it about that teacher 
you value. Maybe they transmitted information, but did, they did it in an unconventional way. It was probably less about the content they taught and more about how they made you feel. Did they impact your character, your values, your beliefs, your vocation? My favorite teacher saw and named something in me that I didn't recognize myself. And more importantly, my favorite teacher expected me not to squander my gifts. He held the bar high and trusted I could rise to meet his belief in me. You can open your eyes in case, you're, in case you've dozed off. Jesus was a master teacher. A master teacher respects his or her student. A master teacher honors the questions a student asks. A master teacher mentors. A master teacher builds safe community among the students and draws out the gifts in each student. Education comes from the root word educare, and educare means to lead out. Education is about leading out, leading us out from a narrow understanding of the world or of ourselves or of God into a more expansive vision. In today's story, Nicodemus expands his vision of the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is a learned and respected teacher and Pharisee. And he comes to Jesus in the dark of night. As a religious authority himself, it's risky for Nicodemus to seek out Jesus, who was already seen as a threat to the religious authorities and to the Jewish law. Now, many biblical interpreters are suspicious of Nicodemus, of Nicodemus's sincerity. But I want to believe that he came with a sincere yearning to understand who Jesus really was. Because like so many of us, Nicodemus was in the thick of religious life. He went to temple regularly. You go to church mostly regularly. But Jesus took seriously Nicodemus's search for truth. So you can be in religion and still be a seeker. So Jesus takes us seriously. He engages our questions. So Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And who is the we who saw Jesus that Nicodemus refers to, and what signs did they see? Well, Jesus and his band of students are certainly not like the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the council to which Nicodemus belonged. Jesus was a rabbi, but he traveled the countryside with his students, healing the people that Nicodemus and his colleagues deemed untouchables. 
They were the persons banished to the outskirts, the margins of the Jewish community. Now, Jesus must have made his disciples constantly nervous because he keeps breaking purity laws set up for honoring the Sabbath by healing the sick and raising the dead and healing the lame and talking with foreign women, such as the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus taught from hillsides and mountaintops and boats. And he also taught in traditional settings like synagogues and the temple. Anywhere Jesus went and whomever he was with, he was teaching about the kingdom of God by living out the kingdom of God. Jesus answers Nicodemus saying, the problem is, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. The word born is mentioned eight times in six verses. Being born anew or being born from above is about seeing God anew, seeing ourselves anew, seeing the world God so loves anew. And being born anew is like being given a new set of glasses, a fresh vision of God's kingdom comes into focus. Jesus carried authority in his presence with the people he invited to be a student. The first followers, he simply said to them, come and see, not come and be indoctrinated or receive a new set of rules and laws, not come and be given answers to your questions, rather come and be born into a new understanding. Jesus' students open their whole lives to being transformed by their new relationship with him. If you've been in adult education, adult formation classes the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about parables. Jesus' use of parables as his primary teaching device. Parables were clever and evocative. Parables were stories that never actually happened, but nevertheless were true. Parables were hyperbolic, ambiguous, and opaque. A parable often had his disciples asking him to please explain it. Please help us understand what you meant. In Matthew 13, The disciples asked why he taught in parables. And Jesus said, to confuse people. (laughs) To confuse people. To challenge people to wrestle with the truth. Jesus never had people nodding their heads when he was teaching as if they understood. He had them scratching their heads. Jesus wasn't teaching doctrine Jesus shared wisdom to get below their rational minds, to go deeper, tilling the soil of their hearts where new growth was possible. Jesus asked a lot of questions. I read that in the Gospels, Jesus asked a hundred, no, Jesus was asked 187 questions. 
he was asked 187 questions, and he answers maybe eight of them. But he himself asks 307 questions of others. So faith isn't about certainty if we sit with it. Faith is about good questions. Jesus' teachings unravel any certainties we cling to. And his teachings disrupt any categories we construct. Jesus inverts our human understanding of what power is and how one obtains it. The last will be first and the first will be last, he said. Lose your life and you'll gain it. Hang on to it and you'll lose it. Children will be the teachers. He reinterpreted the dominant understandings of how life is organized. Jesus messed with the categories of who is righteous and who is not righteous, who is a sinner and who's not a sinner. His teachings were not conceptual, though they were embodied. He incarnated. He lived out the kingdom of God in the flesh. Nicodemus was right. Jesus' actions were visible signs of the unpredictable presence of God. You know, God's intention is always to bring wholeness and freedom to people, to all people. Jesus taught about ordinary things in life, ordinary things that we all struggle with, anxiety, worry, fear, things that rob us of a flourishing life. And he also taught about things that give us life, like the value of friendship. Jesus taught about how to live in the kingdom of God here And now, for the kingdom of God is among you, he said. Jesus taught his disciples not a belief system, but a path, a way. The followers of Jesus in that early Jesus movement were called people of the way. Jesus made space for his people to let down their defenses, to set down their armor of protection that kept them from being born anew. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is still our teacher. And the questions are, are we his students? Are we willing to open ourselves to see a new face? Are we open to something new being birthed in us? And we might wonder if Nicodemus became a true disciple of Jesus. And I'd like to think that he did. He shows up two more times in John's gospel. And the third time was after Jesus' death. Nicodemus appears with another secret student, another secret follower the wealthy Joseph of Arimathea. And together, these two men take down Jesus' body from the cross. And Nicodemus anoints the body with an amount of myrrh and aloe suitable for royalty. And then they lay to rest the body of their teacher in an unused tomb. 
Now, by the witness of their actions, I'd say both Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had been born anew. And for that, we give thanks. Amen.